everybody, this is Daryl with AfterBuzz TV. Did you know that TrueCar.com is changing car buying forever? Yes, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Now, some features are not available in all states, but that's okay. In the first six months of this year, over 275,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off of their MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what people pay for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. The third step is so simple. Just print out your TrueCar savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Remember, everyday True Car users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Save your time, save money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads from over 200 countries and your number one source in after-show entertainment. <laughs> TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Welcome, everybody, to another AfterBuzz TV after show for your favorite show, our favorite show, Intruders. This is season one, episode four, Ave Viram Corpus. I'm your host for the evening. This is some somber music, guys. Uh, It's some Ave Viram Corpus. (laughs) That's what it is. Uh, I'm your host this evening, Anna Koppel. Joining us, as always, Mr. Will Link. Thank you, thank you. And and, and <laughs> I'm sorry, I took that moment away from you, didn't it's I? It's okay. <laughs> I was taking in the music. Yeah, yeah, you look like you were. I'm oh, sorry. And in back again this week. Hello, everyone. Marissa Ser- M- 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 Marissa. One of those names. Serafini. Yes, hello. Yay. Yay, we're all back. Okay, we're... Except for Isaac. We're all back except for Isaac. <laughs> except for Isaac. <laughs> 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 Poor Isaac. <laughs> In fact, the elephant in the room right now. <laughs> here we go. Okay, here we go. Ready? Um, so, <laughs> um, okay, so this the episode this week opens with Madison, and she's having um, some flashbacks, and it seems like she's having a real sort of internal struggle. Yeah. Um, not really, really. Her flashbacks seem to be sort of overlapping, um, and I'm saying flashbacks. They could have been dreams, I suppose. I feel like they were memories, though. Yeah, I feel like they're flashbacks of past life, of Marcus's past life. Yeah, and but they were also sort of, like, uh, woven in with happy memories of Madison's family. Yeah, when they got that house, when they got the beach house. And and it's funny, because this episode really showed that struggle more and we had talked about the struggle the internal struggle that she'd been having but this one it felt really rougher and more violent like it really felt like marcus was trying to keep madison down and uh, i think he even referred to that at some point like oh, this little girl won't go down like quietly she's mm-hmm. a tough little girl right i i like that i mean because right now we we would think with just being a little girl she'd be kind of you know Vulnerable in a way, but to show that Madison putting up a fight could go get it. Yeah, yeah, she's a fighter. She's a toughie. And, um, and we, the moment you're referring to, I think, if we're thinking of the same moment happened in Todd Crane's office. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she's, he, Marcus Madison says, uh, there's this kid inside me that won't go down easily. She just keeps on crying for her mother. And I think that answers a question, or maybe Hin said some of the answer that we've been having, which is, you know, do these people just sort of come in and out at, you know, the signal of a sound or, but it seems like, no, there's somebody that really just takes the reins. They both know they're there inhabiting the same body. And there's a fight between at least Marcus and Madison. And we also know that Marcus is a bit of a pedophile. Yeah. Now- it's very disturbing, especially coming from a little girl, knowing that he's the kind of guy who actually enjoys the presence of little girls and you know it yeah takes that uh, i think we were talking about how when they 
that scene in the first episode where she was kind of like touching her body and like feeling, and we were like, oh, that's a, uh, you know, feeling after new body. But now that adds a whole new level of creepiness to that moment in episode one. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that I think is interesting, cause it seems like Marcus really came out on her ninth birthday, but clearly the presence was always there because that scene with the piano playing where Madison didn't ever play piano in her life and suddenly she's playing this beautiful music. Right. So I, I wonder how much, I wonder how much control Marcus always had. Is he just observing at what point? Are they kind of allowed to assert themselves more? Yeah. How long has he been planning on it? Yeah. All these different questions. For nine years, at least, right? At least, because he's been gone for... He vanished for nine yeah. years. Nine years ago. And it seems to be he was he was walled up somewhere at some point. That yeah. was one of the flashes where you just see Marcus getting there. They're putting the bricks, and they seem to be putting him behind a wall, which is horrific for... Buried but, alive. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm assuming soon we'll find out what exactly happened to Marcus and why they wanted to punish him that badly. Yeah, I don't know. I think I have some predictions about that. I didn't think I of it some... until you said, but yeah, but yeah, go ahead. No, um, the other thing I loved in that opening scene in the car was we we really did get, like I said, with the struggle. I love that. She's schizophrenic in that car with the guy. At one point, she's like, I just, I, I want to go home. The man won't make me remember. And then suddenly it turns to, like, complain about the book. Like, back on, on the book. Because the book was not for for Marcus. So, very frustrating with this book. Are we 100% that the book wasn't for Marcus? Because I am not 100% that Mrs. Ng wasn't just trying to protect whatever was happening. She said there was no book made for him, but I felt like she was just trying to get rid of Richard. See, I think the opposite. I think she was trying to get rid of Marcus and just giving him a book. Mm. I think Marcus, you know, came across it by fortunate events. Just how everything, because, you know, a lot of people are killing each other, and then he just happened to get a hold of it. So I don't think it was intentionally in the first place originally planned for him. But you think, no, because, but he definitely, Madison definitely showed up there. At Mrs. Ng's. Yeah. So it wasn't just like a book that she found it, at the park. It's, like, a, it's a book that... Madison book. kind of forced... Uh, Marcus slash Madison kind of forced Mrs. Ng to give him the book. And re- remember, uh, Marcus was uh, uh, done off the books, we found out last right. week. So it makes sense that there wouldn't be a book. I don't know, you guys. <laughs> 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 Again, it could be anything, but that's... <laughs> that's what that's what I think. That's what we're here to do. Okay. Um, well, anyway, so she's struggling with these flashbacks, and um, and she goes to hang out at a kid's bookstore because... Taking one too many cookies, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Only one? Only supposed to take one. One too many, though. I thought she Marcus took, like, took a, Yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but, you know, he's smart because he probably wants to be hanging out in a bar, but... It's smarter as a nine-year-old girl to be hanging out at a children's area of the bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so certain things are reminding both of them of things that they like want to see or people they want to return to. And those books happen to be one on top of the other, just very nice, a crane yeah. and Allison. Yeah, I thought that was very convenient. <coughs> I, I felt like maybe those were purposely placed there or they just happen to be there to help, you know, all these signs that is allowing her to remember, you know, uh, um, you know, Madison's life. Because we also, not to jump too far ahead, but when we get to the restaurant and there's the 5-3503, so there, there's all these signs that are helping her remember her life. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen so many, you know, especially with the number nine floating around, we've seen so many signs throughout the series. So maybe there is this idea of these signs that we need are, are around us constantly. We just have to be looking for them. Maybe there's an idea with that. I totally believe that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That you can see things in everything. After the show, I'm going to be looking at everything uh, yeah. in a whole new way. It'll drive you crazy. I, I just thought, I mean, I, I like that device. I thought it was too conveniently placed that both of those would remind her of her past life. I'm looking for nine so much that when she looked at the the 
this baseball score and it said five dash three. I'm like, that doesn't equal nine. Like it actually <laughs> drove me crazy for a second. Like I'm like, well, why didn't that equal nine? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, same here. Yeah. When it goes, <laughs> when they're like when dialing I'm, the radio, I was like, that's not nine or something. Yeah. No. More, no, we want even more nines <laughs> in the <laughs> show. Nice. Yeah. You're both ridiculous people. <laughs> um, no numbers on the show. Uh, so. Well, yeah. Well, let's jump ahead to uh, to she calls her her Allison. She keeps calling her Allison, even though. So there's more of a fight. I don't know that that was a little bit weird for me that moment. I have to say. Go. Uh, well, I just um, you know a child. It seemed like Madison was trying to call her mom, but the fact that she was calling her Allison shows the disconnect between just family in general. You know how kids when they're mad at their parents or want to like denounce themselves. They call their parents by the first name. So it makes me think, again, broken families that Madison already separated and just doesn't really see Allison as her mom, just as Allison. You don't think it had anything to do with Marcus? I, th- I, th- I think that was Madison calling Allison. All right. But I think the reason... Because Marcus took over and she just passed out. But yeah, because but I, I think Marcus is keeping her down and then I think that's why her conversation is so weird I think it's it's Madison it's Madison calling Allison but can't quite get out like where she is can't quite answer the questions and I feel like she's trying to answer the questions but Marcus is just shoving her down as deep as he can and that's why it's like I think that's another reason why it's like it's such an odd conversation she does get out though that uh, that he wants to see someone named Crane, right? Yeah. That does get out. Yeah. Yeah. She calls him the man inside. Yeah. So at least she knows she's being affected by someone. Yeah. So, but again, how, like, what a, what a crazy struggle to know that you're mm-hmm. at war for your own body with another soul. That must be terrifying for a child, I have to say. And well, I, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if the parents now will, will be searching for someone named crane i mean I, it doesn't seem like a lot to go off of but uh, these parents are desperate so Ooh. i'd imagine that uh, maybe allison and uh madison's father they might end up uh might end up at the doorstep of todd crane and long-term prediction she did cry rape in crane's office so if they show up yeah mm-hmm. looking for her she's uh, but Marcus no, uses no. this rape card a lot because in the a week lot. before, <laughs> yeah. the week before it was saying like, oh, I'm like, uh, I forget who the, he they, said touched her, but was saying she, to the she woman, made the story that her uncle, uncle, yeah, you know, well, touched but, her. But Marcus likes to touch little girls, oh, so that's where he's getting it from. Yeah, yeah, yeah from his own mind. And I think it says something about the show and about the actress that I keep now referring to Marcus's he, even though it's in the little girl. Like I got, I'm having a lot of trouble with the he. She, and I think that's because it's very convincing. She's very convincing. Yeah, totally. As a creepy old man pedophile. <laughs> even the, you know, just the physicality in her acting when she goes to sit down, she pulls up her pants like getting ready to sit and then yeah. even when she's reading the newspaper she licks her fingers like like a very grown adult man would yeah yeah it's great she's it's great creepy though and she goes in and out of it so quickly mm-hmm. it's yeah it's impressive it's really impressive well she gets to todd cranes and um she asks to see to see cranfield and yeah. uh and we've learned about joseph cranfield already at this point from gary yeah um mm-hmm. And we'll get into Joseph Cranfield in a second, but um, but she calls Todd Crane a civilian. Yeah, right. She says, "I know you're a bit of a civilian in all of this, but you're the best that I have, so you're gonna help me." It's the bottom line, right? Yeah. Which yeah. makes me think that Crane is just maybe what he appears to be. Maybe he is just a Amy's lawyer. Lover. Well, or just a lawyer and just somebody who works with. Uh, Reverte and works with these people and that's why he's a civilian he's not like a soul that's passing along to different bodies living forever he's just yeah, he's, he's just, just hired help yeah he's just a person caught in the crosshairs honestly well he's yeah. involved somehow because you know and we'll get into it but his family has been handed down this building forever and this building is somehow yeah. very important so the building's in the, the book building yes it is yeah yes 
But and it's called the building. Yeah. Very ominous. <laughs> There's only one like it. Joseph Pranfield wasn't uh, the best at naming things, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> the building. It's a good name. Uh well yeah, because there were other buildings that were in the trust. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean. So <laughs> the other building. Building one, building building two. All right, but Mm. yeah, he uh, Marcus demands to speak to Cranfield. Won't put him on the won't get him on the phone because he's a dying man, as we see a little bit later. Mm -hmm. And um, then when he left, Crane called a new another new character, Rose. Yes, Rose Gilchrist. I felt like we've heard her name before, though. Maybe in like the first episode or the second one, very early on. Well, we definitely heard it. Earlier in this episode, I don't know if we. Oh, maybe we heard Rose twice in this episode, yeah. but I feel like we've been introduced to that name before. Maybe a lot of names. Yeah, a lot of new, lot of new players. Yeah, of, yeah. yeah. Um, and he says something like, uh, "You know, something we thought we would never have to worry about again is upon us." I don't, yeah. what, I don't know what he said. But. I guess they figured that Marcus was. Uh, Dead, dead locked behind some brick wall yeah okay so wait a, wait a second wait a second todd crane has to he has to be in this deeper because how would he recognize it was marcus well i mean i think he's in it enough to know the players in the game but i think he's just not a like a he's just not living eternally like these other people what if todd i think crane, that's why he's a civilian yeah what if todd crane was there at the burial when they were brick walling marcus and what if he was actually present the yeah. day that Marcus died. I mean, it was only nine years ago. Yeah. Right. He could have been part of that. I'm assuming this whole crew was part of that, including Shepard, who then, I'm assuming, got him out from behind that wall to shepherd him off the books. Mm-hmm. And that's why, and everyone put him behind them, like, eh, we'll stick him behind here. No one could ever get to him. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm liking that. I'm liking that's, the that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking everybody was there. They're bricking them up. <laughs> they were all part of it. And now, uh-huh. what goes around comes around. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm liking good. that. <laughs> all right. Well, but he he did. He, Todd Crane looked terrified after this visit. I mean, just absolutely shaken. So yeah. So whatever it is that has already happened. And they never thought would happen again, and it's happening again. Well, you look out your window and you see that little girl looking up at you. I'll be <laughs> yeah. terrified too. I mean, great cinematography—that was very, very creepy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, guys. Well, before we move on, I just want to take a second to talk about iTunes and to thank everybody. We're we're on the map now, guys. So thank you for rating and commenting. Hey. Um, yeah. We appreciate it so much. Uh, it it helps us out more than you know. Um, so keep it up. That's all I have to say. Uh, and check out all of our other after shows. And tell a friend. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I think as more people start tuning into intruders, they'll be uh, tuning into this show. Yeah, well, you know, answers. let us know what your theories are of this awesome, crazy show. Yeah, people are getting better about giving their theories, yeah. which, yeah, as you can see, we need. <laughs> <laughs> let us know. Um, definitely let us know. Um, okay, so so Jack is taking this call from Gary. Gary's giving Jack his in- crazy inside information about Amy, who is at home watching jazz. Yes. Mm-hmm. And not just any jazz. It's a, I guess a documentary would be specifically yeah. about Leon Bismarck Bix Biderbeck. Better back. Better back. Actually, if you remember last episode when Amy was listening to the jazz music and um, he turned it off, uh, that was actually Bix Biederbeck music. Oh. From, so we, we know that she listens to Bix. Okay. But does it seem, it seemed to me from this scene that she knows him, knows him. Yeah. Which yeah. I, I have a prediction. From. <laughs> I do. I'll save it though. Save it right. then. Yeah. I, I'm hesitant to say because I have some thoughts on it too, but I don't want to step on any prediction. Yeah. So maybe we'll. Uh... Yeah, but she, Amy was listening to Beaterback last episode too, and now she's listening, watching a documentary about him. So jazz is prevalent right now. I feel like if 
she had known him in another life like she's like why is she reliving all of the cool lives like she knew a czar she like knows this jazz musician who has well she said something about i'll oh, I'm, I'm blanking I, I don't have this particular thing written down but um something along the lines of uh not for long i'll see you soon not i'll see you soon nope. but something soon Soon. Yeah. Because soon, the, docu- soon. Yeah. the yeah. documentary said, um, you know, the day that he died, taking him away from everybody forever, not forever, soon. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's mad creepy. It says, is Bix <laughs> going to come back? Is, is, uh, I think so. It seems like Bix beat her back. It's coming back. Yeah. Going to be shepherd. Shepherded. Shepherded in. Yep. Pretty much. By Amy. Maybe. By somebody. Mm-hmm. By someone. By a shepherd. Which, again, seems very much like a job title. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, because they also mentioned, uh, he, Richard mentions Frank Shepherd. Yeah. So, yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah. Unless it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, a family, family business. Yeah. <laughs> family business shepherding old souls. Shepherd around. and sons. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a good um, name. But so, it is, uh, so, do we think it's significant at all that she smashes the TV? No. I don't know why she would smash it, but it did look cool. <laughs> yeah. And there was a little thing in yeah, the yeah in the commercial break where they talked about how when they did that scene, the first time she swung the, the golf club or whatever, it bounced off the thing. And then he did it again, and it kind of nailed it perfectly. And all those images, they were just kind of lucky to get. And it looked really cool. Nice. Yeah. Um... I think it is significant, uh, just because we've had so many issues with electronics going on and off and working and not working, and then, like, later she gets a phone call while she's still sitting with the TV, and it's the creepy sort of... White noise. Yeah. And we hear that call again even later with Mm -hmm. Gary, and have you call? Have you guys called the number? Have you guys called the intruder's number that's on Richard no. Shep- the Richard Shepherd card or whatever? That no, no, I'd be afraid to honestly. <laughs> I called it uh, the number. If you want to give it a call, it's two zero six seven four five nine 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 nine. Go figure. <laughs> and uh, you hear that weird noise, and then you hear uh, Marcus Fox say like, "Welcome back, Reverte." And it's creepy. And then someone muddles on in a foreign language. And then the call just kind of hangs up. I could not call this number. (laughs) This is like, I couldn't, like, you know how you could view the whole, the ring video online? Yeah. Yeah, Like, I couldn't do that for years and years either. Because then you know someone will, you'll get a phone call and go, seven days. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That is a little too close to home, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Doing that. Yeah, I, yeah. This is a show that Marissa and I were texting. We're like, have to watch this with the lights on. With the lights on, yeah. Yeah. So there's just no way that I'm calling this. this call, yeah, late no. tonight. Why don't you give that number a call? Like right as you go into bed. Maybe like years after the series <laughs> is over, then that's when I'll call that number. But I'll do it when daylight's out. Yeah. I'll think about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm firmly not calling. Um. Anyway, uh. So Jack and Gary are talking about, um. This Joseph Cranfield, who is um, just, he's a self-made billionaire um, and seems to just kind of get life, yeah. right? Because um, he's lived it for thousands of years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What, what did he say? That some people just like are born ready. They come out of the womb. Like, yeah. yeah <laughs> some people are like that. Are they? Are they, the other, running. are they a bunch of souls? They're a bunch. <laughs> they've been around forever. <laughs> yeah. Is that what it is? Is that why I'm not a billionaire? Um, That's probably it. It's so simple all this time. Um, Okay, anyway, so (laughs) they figure out this building is the one Amy was standing in front of. And and, uh, and Gary tells him about the Sacomacy Trust. Am I saying that right? Sacomacy? Sacomacy? Yes. Yeah. I think I think I <laughs> um, but I looked up what it meant. What does it mean? It means a uh, 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 communication with the dead. That's the study of communication with the dead. So, uh Sacomacy. Okay. So, okay, communication with the dead. Yes, that's what that word means. Yeah. So doesn't that already like creep that, Gary out? Yeah, that kind of explains itself, but it shows that Jack didn't really know. And even the meaning, the the saying on the actual building, 
Unlimited growth increases the divide. Yeah. I mean, the divide. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. divide between life and death, or what's living and what's dead. I mean, that's... Well, yeah, we've no. seen in the book, we see the building. In the From the book, there's a thing that says that uh, there are some places that are easier for the living and dead to cross over. So this building... Are we to think that this building is one of those places, and that's why this building's so important? That's what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, it might go into predictions territory, but I think when Amy went to the building, something happened to her. So I think whoever goes to that building might get infected. And that's where she said she was home. Yeah. And she, yeah, talked And she to wasn't. Her. Yeah. And remember, when Jack leaves, the phone rings, and Gary goes to, to pick it up, or... I think he went to pick up. Either way, there's an f- old phone ringing in that building, yeah. and we never hear what's on the other end. Yeah. I know you weren't trusting Gary. Am I right? Didn't you say that? And Full body intruder. Now I'm starting not to trust Gary. I feel like even though he's giving a lot of information, there's some there's something off about him. Now I'm starting to get on your side with this. It's like you always have to distrust the people who have all who knows everything and how does Gary know all this? And how did I mean, he put together a whole trust without knowing what Sakoma meant? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I can understand being the most informed you're in the audience is more willing to not trust him. Yeah. But I think he might still be I I still have faith that he's good. I'm riding the fence now. I don't know. I'm getting to the full body intruder uh, idea. There has to be one good person on the show. Jack? Well, yeah. That's one. That's your one. That's all you get. That's debatable. Why, why uh, is that debatable? Just because he, like, apparently killed a bunch of people for no reason back in L.A.? <laughs> well, not no reason. It brought him and Amy together. Too. <laughs> We're rooting for it, Jack. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We shall see. We we will. Well, anyway, uh, Jack doesn't like any of what he has to hear. Um, He's and, in denial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, but he still wants all the information that he can get on Bill Anderson. Um, I guess that means he'll look into it. Uh, and, but tells Gary he otherwise doesn't want to hear from him. Um, then goes to Bill Anderson's house. And before going inside, gets a phone call, like another yeah. another creepy call from a what? Is, uh, I assume that was a, a part time friend. Oh, is what they called themselves. But was that that was the part-time same friend. happens to you? That was the same call though. That that, that was that was Rose, right? I, I uh, believe that was Rose. That, that was Rose. That okay. was the same distorted voice. That, that then, called Shepard, and we know from that that was Rose. And from that Shepard conversation, one of the most interesting things I thought about that was she mentions Jack to Shepard. So Shepard clearly Jack's on everyone's radar. Whether we've we haven't really seen that yet from from Shepard's storyline, but Jack is on his radar as well. And also, Rose is the one who's looking out for everybody. Rose knows everyone. Yeah. So who's this Rose? But but Rose then is, and now we're assuming that this voice, that they aren't just all using the same voice distorter, um, which is also possible by passing around that the voice That would be incredibly confusing and a cruel joke played on us by Glenn Morgan. <laughs> oh, like it's not confusing enough to have like... <laughs> um, yep. But why would the, the Rose voice at least be protecting Jack? Yeah. Well, Jack is clearly a bigger player in this game than we yet know and Jack himself knows. Like I said, Shepard knows who he is because she even says, like, Jack, uh, Jack's going to his Jack's place. Jack's looking for Bill. Yeah. Amy calls Jack her Shepard in the last episode. Do you guys remember? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe, yeah, he doesn't know. Well, anyway. Maybe he uh, used to work for Shepard and Sons and he's just <laughs> forgotten. He's just, yeah. It's a long time ago. Um, but, you know, anyway, he gets this this creepy call that says, you know, don't go in there unless you want to suffer the same fate as Bill Anderson and his family. And he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, completely ignoring this, which I just feel like maybe he should be more cautious. No? Well, what else is he going to do, though? I mean... Be more I'll, cautious and not but, go in that house. But already <laughs> his life is in turmoil right now. 
I mean, things can't get much worse. They could get much worse. But Yeah, that's true. But I like how Jack is taking the initiative and being like, well, tell me to my face, you know? And then Minnie has uh, his his friend. I'm completely blanking on his name. Gary? Uh, Gary. When he has Gil- Gary call everyone that he needs, you know, he, he's trying to search for answers. So if it means getting, you know, face-to-face with someone, then he's going to go for it. Yeah, I think he doesn't get it yet. I think he doesn't get how much danger he's really in. Yeah, and you know, like I said, because I think he's still, even though he sees that that, uh, Canfield has given the building over, one of the trustees of the building is his his wife, is Amy, he still doesn't want to believe it. He still doesn't want to see it. So some voice calls him and tells him you're going to meet the same fate. He's not going to believe that either. He's going to be like, eh. Yeah, when's he going to get it together? I don't know. Um, maybe by the end of this episode. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> um, well, anyway, he goes and he gets arrested. Um, and this detective seems to know maybe a lot about his life. Yeah, he's given a lot of crap about his past. Yeah. Trying to push his buttons. Um, but who is watching from the other side of the window? That's a good yeah, question. that was it. I thought that too because it was all in dark. So what? Rose, maybe. I mean, maybe. Rose is the big mystery person in this episode. So there were two shots. So it, they definitely like shot to the uh, what's happening on the other side of the glass twice. They yeah. did that. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely supposed to think that somebody's there. Yeah. Um, my money's on Rose. Probably, yeah. I think so, too. My money's on this detective set up Billy Anderson to be murdered. Now, you're both <laughs> Please explain. Just, just looking at me like I'm crazy. Okay, so um, Jack says to Gary, um, oh, you know, this detective gave me a great idea for uh, mm. how to send a signal. And it did seem like this detective is just sort of giving him this information. Yeah, you know, I got all these lunatics here just totally ruining my case uh it's almost like they're why would he why would a detective start giving information why would he start talking about tim truth this guy's just another suspect you're right so he was like planting ideas to know that jack because of his already dark twisted background and work you know he would make jack have the idea to go do his bidding yeah right exactly and so he knew that that would draw bill anderson and it also Draws out Shepard, right? Draws out Richard. Um, and who, yes, and whoever was behind that, that glass, I think is probably told that detective, get this information out. I think you're 100% right. Boom. Boom. I yeah, love hearing it. that. That's smart. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Very good. Um, okay, but that means the detective is somehow, there, I, there are like layers of this. Maybe he's a civilian like Todd Crane is too. Like, there. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you, these are, there are billionaires who are doing this. They've amassed all this wealth and fortune. They need people working for them. They need people doing the grunt work. Dodd Crane's a, uh, like a grunt. This detective's a grunt. We're all their grunts. They're controlling all of us. <laughs> I'm not getting Gary's any of those billions. <laughs> who? Gary. You know, yeah. there are people that are just there because it's their job. They know certain information, but then other people who are more involved in it than they are. So, yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> For sure. All right. So, um, so yeah. Well, okay. So we've talked about the phone call with Richard where he talks to Rosie and Frank Shepard. Okay. Um, and so he meets with, they meet with Bill Anderson, right? Not, well, let's, yeah. They meet with Bill Anderson. Transposition code. Um, via transposition yeah. code. Yes. Uh, and Bill Anderson's like a total creep. No? No. No, I want to say creep. He's... Why is he a creep? Uh, not as much as a creep as Todd Crane was. Well, maybe not a creep. He just seems crazy. Like, he hasn't left the basement for years. He, seems, he really has not had... I wouldn't say creep. I would say he's a guy who's v- very traumatized. The man's family's been murdered. Have some compassion. Yeah. <laughs> Never. <laughs> he's not ever. He's a person that got way in too deep and tried to get himself out. But... Let's let's be real. Before this, he was already building ghost machines, so he was. I feel like never fully 
I don't know. Maybe well, maybe not. Build, maybe fully not crazy. Building ghost machines isn't crazy because what he's doing is is correct. That's what crazy. Mm-hmm. That, what he's doing is correct. Yeah, what he's doing is right. He's building that was the machine. Science and uh, uh, Cram, Cranfield wanted to give him ten million dollars to stop building them, so he knew he was on the right track to figuring out. You know what's going, what's going on? on with yeah. the with the the souls going from body to body. So he's not crazy. He's the only one who knows what's going on. He's the only non-crazy one, dare I say. Just because you stumble onto something that's correct doesn't mean that what you were doing to get there makes you not crazy. Well, look, Bill's, but Bill's had a rough week. His research wasn't. <laughs> his research was enough to you know have Cranfield skin crawl, you know, really get Cranfield to, you know, stop because anyone who's getting close and your your first initiative is to stop them. And that's what happened. That weird noise that was coming on to the phones, do you think that has something to do with his ghost machine? Do you think that is yes. something? Okay. Because yes. I thought very much when, especially when Amy gets a call, it seems to like awaken something in mm-hmm. her, like it's a signal, like I have to to go, like the ghost in her, for lack of a better word, since Bill says ghost, like has to go to Cramfield now. I think so because he was, uh, he said, um, what was it, the the sound waves that he was studying with, and then we hear all the white noise via like radio transmissions, yeah, and stuff. So I think it's some some form of sound waves that when we hear the white noise and Amy takes the phone call and we hear it that that was like a message for all the people meet at this place and that's Ooh. why when Gary calls Cramfield that the answer is that because they figure anyone calling Cramfield would know that what that meant and knows to come mm-hmm. to him because they're having this, this weird mummy ceremony. So do you think that... Okay, I'm sorry. Let's just make sure that we're thinking the same thing okay. or understand. that. Are you saying that when whoever called the building and Gary answered, that that was that signal? And so that's how we knew to come to to the house at that time? Is that no, what you're saying? Jeff was no, the one that later, told Gary to go to the house. Later... I know, but- Later, when Gary calls, remember at the police station after Gary ba- bails Jack out, right. he call, he says, well, "Call Cranfield, call call him." Uh, yeah. And Gary Gary calls, and you hear that noise, and he's like, "Listen to this." Yeah. And then they go there, and okay. I wonder if because they knew they were going to perform that ceremony that night, like any outgoing message was just going to be that. So okay. it brings, because anyone who's in the know would know what that means. Okay. Yep. That was just my thought. I also am now wondering, and I just thought of this when you, you said about the call at the house, I wonder if now, if Gary isn't good, which now I'm starting to lean towards you, that he might not be, maybe whatever call happened in that building awakened him in some way and now he's like maybe there's someone in gary too is what i'm saying yeah who's been awakened and is now sending jack down a, a different path the path see to- i'm still having a hard time believing that gary's back because when they see the whole mummification process and then we see amy and they literally drive away and jack is asking all these questions gary kept saying i don't know i don't know how how would i know what's going on whoa so either that's good acting on his part proving you know making the front that he doesn't know what's going on or he really just doesn't know yeah i feel like if you're around for thousands of years you you pick up how to like mimic human emotions that you might not be the best feeling. actors in the world are all so that was just good acting on gary's part <laughs> yeah. then yeah, maybe, Daniel Day-Lewis maybe, must maybe. be key reverte. That's why he wins so many Oscars. He's just been around long <laughs> that's, enough. Yeah, that's, he was that's Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> glad yep, somebody's here to speak on. my language. <laughs> happy. Makes me happy. Um, what? But I feel like he wasn't asking that many questions. I feel like he just kept asking, was that a funeral? Why was, was it a funeral? Yeah, that, was it a funeral? That ceremony was really so creepy. creepy. And I love the way it was kind of like through the cell phone. It added this extra layer of just bizarre for me with yeah. that. But I loved how technology worked at that time. You know, you think with sound waves going off and he's trying to take the pictures with his phone that it would like static, 
go through it. But technology worked then. Yeah. Well, we got because we got to get that phone. <laughs> well, I get we need proof, but no, I mean like because it, it was just it works at the perfect what was that? time. Was that, what was that? Was it a Samsung? Was it an iPhone? What was it? Yeah, he oh. has an iPhone. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> then we know the yeah. um, the other uh, thing about that. So that ceremony, I'm assuming, is basically the billionaire version of the Donna, not Donna thing we see at the very beginning of the series i don't think so you don't think so no i think it no i think they're putting okay and you know spoiler alert for people who don't like the previews from next week spoiler alert spoiler alert um but the previews from next week show that there's like a a wall full of mummified bodies yes Mm -hmm. okay so i feel like maybe that's where the bodies go that are in this cycle that's where the bodies go until their nine years is up um and the souls are ready to come into new bodies um so i feel like they were mummifying him for those nine years and his soul that will come back will be in we'll go back into the mummified body no no no. we'll come back into another body but like yeah, but whatever soul was in Amy, it was probably started out in a body that's now in this weird cellar. So eventually Amy will be mummified yes. and that soul will go somewhere else. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. I'm still thinking. Maybe. Uh, honestly, now I'm I'm just wrapping my head around. Okay. This. But was my question is was uh, Cranfield buried alive because they were mummifying him, but he was still alive at that point. Did he die at the point where he was fully covered then? I don't or know. Well, maybe did they, they re- still mummify him alive because mm- sometimes they did that. Maybe they removed the soul and then wrapped it up, you know? Mm-hmm. So that happened like right after. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Because they got to get rid of the body. I, the woman who I assumed was Rose. <laughs> Was like giving him some sort of like smelling something incense. It wasn't incense though. It looked it looked, wax. It looked like <laughs> what did it look like? It looked like a perfume sample. You know, they give you the perfume sample. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it could, it could <laughs> have been what it was. Prism, <laughs> you know, oil. Yeah, that's what oil I was thinking. It was some I mean, sort of like smelling and... something. Yeah, but anyway. Um, no, that, that's totally true because uh, mummification and burials—they mm. used oil and yeah. chrism. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the other word is you just said, but sure. But oil. they did use oils, and yeah, there are all kinds of oils that are used during death ceremonies. Of mm-hmm. yeah, so so. But we are in agreement that a soul was being taken out of the vessel that was Joseph. Camfield. Right. Whereas so, yeah. with Donna, not Donna, they were putting a soul in. In. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing that I think I always screw up, that they were putting a soul into Donna. Because I think at first I thought they were taking a soul out of Donna, not Donna. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, I think they were putting a soul But yeah, no, I mm-hmm. think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a similar, it's a similar thing. There was soul yeah, transference the, the, going on. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> the process yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay um and does everybody need to be there for that it seemed like um you know richie was there and amy was there it just seemed like that does everybody that's in the crew like need to be there in the crew it's in- a family affair wait was he Richard? Was, yeah yeah he was there i didn't think he was there because then he was listening to tim truth in the car later he was there there they he was there Okay. And Amy was there. Yeah. And then he got back on the road. Yeah. Maybe with the soul. <laughs> because it seems like they they, they they have to take the soul. Like in with Donna, not Donna, they had that little record thing mm-hmm. uh, that they held up oh, in yeah. front of her. Maybe that's also what the sand dollar is. The soul is put into some sort of object that the shepherds carry around, and they need to bring that object to. That's move like the soul. a thing too. Yeah, transferring. Yeah, transferring you your your soul or parts of your soul into an object. Yeah, that's like a thing. That's so like the, Horcrux, you know, with Harry yeah. Potter. <laughs> so they, yeah, yeah. So okay. I mean, should I have realized this already, or this? No, I, this, this totally I, makes sense now. Yeah. And that's what the sand dollar is, and that's what the—I don't know what those record things are, but that was the, what uh, those inserts they put in the, the like. The no, that totally makes records. sense yeah. because the sand dollar. When we saw 
the couple episodes back when the Sun Dollar was broken were led to believe that that piece of the soul escaped and went into somebody. So, yeah, I yeah. think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I think we talked something out here. <laughs> yeah. We're making progress. You guys, when I was 13, and it... Yes. And at summer camp, the boy I like... I'm just going to keep talking over the applause. Um, the boy I like told me that, like, if you focus really hard, you could put part of your soul into an object, and then he, like, gave me a, a stick that had part of his soul in it, and I have that stick to this day. Okay. Um, I don't know All why right. I didn't put together the sand dollar earlier. This <laughs> is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I think that. Go ahead. Well, I, I don't know. What I was going to say that I think I'm out of things to say about that. Well, we Bill didn't Anderson get to the Bill Anderson dead. getting killed. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, Bill, that was gonna, yeah, he's dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Free Bertie. laughs> um, yeah. So, kind of, I feel like this detective's fault that. Uh, Tim Truth is not going to be happy about this. He is sure <laughs> not. Um, yeah, but and, and I was also kind of surprised how easily that did draw Bill Anderson out. Because I just, he's been underground all these years. Why not? Well, the fact that, he, I mean, he mentioned it. He said Cranfield in the message. So that was enough to get him out. Yeah. I mean, look, eventually you got to come out for for something. Groceries. Or- yeah, well, you got to, you got to, I mean, you got to investigate you got to find things out of course then it always ultimately leads with your death yeah so. yeah yeah but it was amazing how shepherd was still there you know and shepherd picked that up and he he came really fast yeah well you have to if you're gonna plan an assassination you got to be in and out oh there's, yeah there's no time to hesitate but my thing was it's like how come no one stops shepherd i mean i get he has a gun but no one even like tried to stop a man who just up and point blank killed someone was, oh, he seemed to be on his way out though he yeah. seemed to just keep walking yeah just, not here buddy somewhere else you know uh keep it moving <laughs> um well he uh he probably has thousands of years on his side i don't know i don't have Maybe. yeah i thought it was strange too but i also thought um it was interesting the sort of like moment i feel like there was between jack and and richard that yeah. Well, like I said, Richard knows who he is. Yeah. And I feel like Jack at one point knew who Richard was. Something, I think, something's gone wrong with Jack. I just don't know what it is yet. But he seemed to recognize him when he walked in, no? I think it, I thought, I took that as more just the cop instinct of that guy looks suspicious. Yeah, and it was also the editing. It was like, oh, I know something's going to happen. This suspicious yeah. man just walked in slow-paced. Slow-mo action. <laughs> He's going to kill. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's why. If you ever that. are sitting somewhere and you see someone walk in someplace slow motion, just duck <laughs> and get out of there. No, I still feel like he, he recognized him on okay. some level. But but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe. Time will tell. Time will tell. Any other thoughts on Billy Anderson's death? Well, he died and said Cree Reverti. Yeah. So that's still in play. Definitely. Had how we don't know yet. Yeah, well, we'll find out. Maybe it's what does it mean again? It's those who have traveled back again, or those who have come back again. Something I don't. We'll return. I think. We'll, yeah. yeah Reverti. Return. Which yeah, reverty return. Who I'm knows? not just saying that because they <laughs> both start with R's. <laughs> I think it might be what it is. No, I yeah. think that's that's probably right. Okay, guys, anything else on this episode? I think that's it. Great. Predictions. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. Well, uh, not so much like a a specific prediction, because God knows you can't get that necessarily (laughs) with the show, but next week's episode is is titled uh, Shepherds in the Fox. So I'm assuming and hoping we're going to really get down to the nitty gritty of what the relationship is between not just uh, 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 Richard Shepard, but also Frank Shepard with Fox. Frank Shepard, played by Robert Forrester, the great actor Robert Forrester. I'm very excited to see him back in this episode. You knew you'd be seeing him again sooner or later. So, And um I hope we get to the bottom of the relationship between the two shepherds. Maybe is it a job title? I mean, I'm, it is a job title, but 
I feel like they clearly must have a uh, at least a mentor protege relationship, Richard and Frank. So I want to see how that relationship plays out. Cool. Um, I think that building definitely uh, the the building <laughs> when someone goes there, they get affected by a soul because it's literally you know the title on the building says that the divide so anyone that goes there will be affected because you know life and death and um whoever is possessing amy because i don't think we have a name yet i i thought but i'm also conflicting with you know talking in both sides of my mouth here but bix Biederbach, the musician jazz musician what if he's the one that's, like, possessing Amy? That's what I thought initially, too. I got to admit, that's what I thought initially. But then too. when she said, you know, not forever, soon, it makes me think that he's not there yet. So who is infecting her now if he will, mm. if that person's after Bix? Who knows? And then I think this ghost machine, Jack will get his hands on it somehow and try to figure out everything that's going on. All right. Um... Going back to your thing about Bix, I thought she said soon my love or something like that. like Not forever. Soon. Something like that. But I thought she there was some sort of term of endearment that, I don't know. But, but it could just be that she'll, she's... She's planning on bringing him back. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if it was uh, like the girlfriend of Bix. I, whatever. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, again, going back to the mummified things that maybe marcus was you know put that that's where they put marcus like down in the cellar with the mummies um as an unwilling participant um and maybe those souls are in the body still and like they're angry with him i don't know but i feel like that's going to be a bigger piece to the puzzle what's up marissa yeah i think it's also like the fact of being buried Alive, I think that Awful. Cranfield was buried alive because they mummified him. He was still dead at, er, alive at that point, and then we know that Marcus was buried alive. So I think it's something with that with being buried alive that they have vengeance. All these souls that mm. are wanting to come back. Well, we will definitely see. Um, and I hopefully. still think. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, and I still <laughs> think there's some you know social psychology here. Marcus, knowing that he likes little girls and he is a bit of of a pedophile, I think he was probably raped by his mother or some female figure in his life. Therefore, he has a thing for, you know, sexual advances, whatever. It's a very, very messed up situation. Do you think Marcus wants, because I've always said he was put in a little girl as punishment, but do you think maybe he wanted to be in a little girl? Oh my god, stop. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Ew, okay, maybe. All right, guys, until next week, <laughs> where can everybody find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link. You can also listen to my pop culture podcast, Will Sean Podcast, on iTunes and the Westcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Serafini TV. You can follow me at Copple for Mayor, K O P P E L F O R M A Y O R, and we will see you here next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.